Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob. The myth, the danger of risking it all. Now, risk is something that's a balance and I think there's a lot of glorification of risk. Media, movies, stories, self-made successes, etc., where it's like you've got to risk everything. You've got to go all in. Go big or go home. Uh, and I think that is not the true, full story of being successful in business or being an entrepreneur. And I actually think it could be very dangerous advice. So if you think of people like James Dyson or Elon Musk, if you study their s- uh, stories, their journey to success, then yeah, I think Dyson got himself nearly 20 million pounds in personal debt. Elon Musk sold, uh, sold PayPal and then burned all of the profits of that and got himself into a bit of financial difficulty before he went big with, say, Tesla and SpaceX, etc. And because these are the big glory stories that we see that are inspiring, of course they're inspiring. I mean, it's more interesting and inspiring as a story for someone to be at death's door, you know, picking fag butts off of the floor, going down KFC and licking people's fingers, they're so skin. And just when everything was about to go on, everything was going to implode, then by some chance of synchronicity, something amazing happened and then boom, they're billionaires. But that's not the normal story of being an entrepreneur or being successful. Uh, And it's glorified. Uh, And I think the reality is you don't need to risk everything. Now, I know there's going to be some irony and some kickback in this because my most famous saying is if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. But what my quote doesn't say is if you don't risk everything, you risk everything. Uh, And I used to be an all in kind of person, you know, go all in, go big or go home, 10x hustle, you know, that kind of stuff. When I was in my mid 20s and I had nothing to lose because I had nothing. So if you have nothing and you're in a, a pretty bad situation in your life financially, for example, well, yeah, there's not a lot of risk to take a bit of a gamble. But if you've got family, overheads, mortgages, savings, pensions, investments, why would you risk all of those? for glory um, because actually for every story of James Dyson 20 million pounds personal debt before he got his cyclone technology off the ground Elon Musk burning billions before he became you know vastly and wildly successful in um, Tesla and SpaceX for every one of those stories there's 99 or 999 people who took a gamble and they lost and they lost everything and they lost their money and they lost their savings and they lost their house I mean, if you look in the mainstream media or if you research hard enough, you can see so many stories of people losing everything. I don't want to lose everything. Uh, You know, statistically, how many people who risked absolutely everything they had, their life savings, their family and friends' life savings, their house, how many of those who risked everything actually really succeeded big? Well, I don't know, but um, probably not that many. 
So I'm gonna give you a few tips on how you can take progressive, uh, small incremental increased risk steps um, to become successful in a realistic amount of time, but without you know, the, the myth and the glory of risking everything. And I think also you have to be careful because sometimes the story, the excitement of the risking everything or, you know, this, this glory that we perhaps seek uh, can make us make bad investment or business or strategic decisions. Okay, so the first thing is you can make progressively increased risk decisions. Um, you know, they say uh, in, inch by inch is a cinch, but by the yard, it's hard. Um, so it is actually relatively easy or easier to risk, say, capital that you can afford to lose um, or to get yourself just marginally out of your comfort zone. You know, people say you've got to get yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, well, yeah, OK, sure. Um, but if you push yourself too far out of your comfort zone, then you could actually risk making really bad decisions. Um, you know, let's say, for example, you'd never done a public speech in your life and you got to go on national TV to do some big public announcement. Well, that was probably a risk too far because millions of people will see you uh, useless at public speaking. So you should probably go to a little Toastmasters event first or, you know, go and speak in front of a group of 15 or 20 people. So um, it's actually more smart to progressively increase your risk. Um, if you're going to start investing money, invest a small amount of money that you can afford to lose as a test. If it goes well, scale it up incrementally if it doesn't then learn the lessons you need to, to, to learn uh, and then um, you know you've lost a small amount of money that you could afford and then grow from there um, I have a property business called progressive property we're the UK's largest property training company uh, and whilst people do perceive that I take quite a lot of risks you know and I'm, I'm quite a, a, I guess you could call me a, a re relatively positive go-getting person um, I don't advise people who get into property to go and buy a massive commercial building straight off the bat. And a lot of people want to. They want to go and buy a cathedral and turn it into a, a 22,000 bed HMO. That's actually the dumbest advice ever. You should start by buying a few single lets and then move up to a multi-let, then move up to maybe a small shop with a flat above and then go into bigger commercial projects. Now, sometimes you look at your mentors, idols, the people you look up to. Sometimes people look to my business partner, Mark Homer, who's doing 85,000 square foot plus commercial developments, um, you know, converting into hundreds of flats. Uh, they look at him and go, well, he's doing that. I want to do that. So I'm going to do that. So sometimes you're modeling people who are way ahead of you uh, and you're missing the 10 or 15 year journey that they took. So sometimes that it's bad to look at people too far ahead of you. Um, and if you're going to look at people really far ahead of you, because we all want to be inspired and you should be inspired, then sure, Work out where they are, be inspired by them, but track back the steps they took in the journey. Mark and I bought hundreds of single let dwellings, you know, small one or two bed flats or very small three bed houses, very locally to us or within sort of six miles of where I'm sat before we bought bigger multi-lets and then pubs that we converted and then shops and um, big retail units that we converted. Um, so if you're going to model someone's journey, you know, you're going to read all these autobiographies and you're going to study, study the successful, which you absolutely should. Don't just take the soundbite or don't just take where they are now. Look at where they've gone through their journey and build up, uh, build up and, and follow that. The next thing is um, when you are financially unstable, you will make emotionally unstable decisions. So be careful not to make big glory or risk taking decisions when you're financially unstable. Uh, and it's likely because you're financially unstable that you'll want something to save you. Therefore, that's when you're more prone to making bad 
two bigger risk decisions. Um, so just notice that emotion in you. You know, uh, no one wants to hear, hey, it's good to go really slowly. Um, get rich slow. You know, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear get uh, wealthy progressively over time, building layers of, um, you know, wealth uh, and layers of protection, layers of knowledge. Um, no one wants to hear that. But, you know, like a, 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 a diamond is a compressed carbon over many, many thousands, tens or hundreds of thousands of years. Um, and so there is something to be said for small progressive risks to build your steel, to build, build your risk tolerance, to build your ability to take rejection, um, to build your social proof or your credibility in, in the industry. Because there is truth that sometimes success can come too early or opportunity come, can come too early when you're not maybe ready for it. OK, so then the next thing is. Um, it's, it's quite okay not to want a massive empire. Uh, and I think sometimes with all this 10x hustle, grind, work 20 hours a day, if you don't work 20 hours a day, you're a loser, lunch is for losers, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think sometimes the perception of success is size and scale. You know, like you need to have a massive empire, otherwise you're a loser. Uh, and I want to say to you that it's okay to not want a massive empire, to want a lifestyle business, to want a bit of freedom to travel and do the things you love. Um, but, you know, maybe just want to two or three times cover your overhead expenses. It's okay to not want to be a massive media celebrity or an influencer. Now, it's also okay to want that, but I guess I just want to give you permission to have the size and the scale and the type of business that you want and it not have to be huge for you to be a success. Now, I'll give you some examples of that. Um, I've sacrificed a lot and I could have been a lot bigger um, because of my family and my son and his golf uh, and, you know, me having a, a portfolio of properties within the Peterborough area. So I could have moved to London 10 years ago. Uh, and, and clearly that would have been good for my portfolio of properties. That would have been good for my connections, and my network, possibly my net worth. Um, it also would have been more on the overhead. Um, but because we had a portfolio of properties where I lived, uh, we wanted to continue to build that property portfolio locally because we knew the area decided to stay here rather than go to the, the big smoke um, um, where there's you know, a lot more opportunity. There's a lot more uh, overseas money. There's a, you know, a lot more access to successful people and millionaires per square foot and celebrities and blah, blah, blah. The next thing is I was just starting to build Progressive and my other company, Unlimited Success, as a global enterprise. Uh, and 10 years ago, I'd have happily flown to Australia to set up an arm there for six months and then to South Africa to set up an arm there for six months. Um, I've, I've got a good friend, Greg, who's done that and um, pretty much could follow the model that he's done. Um, but he's in a different space of life than I am. Um, and his kids are, you know, a little bit more um, away from him. And my kids are very close to me. Um, so my decision was I'm not going to take any overseas gigs uh, and I'm not going to go to other countries to set up these enterprises. I'm not going to go and do public speaking around the world. I've got, been offered loads of opportunities to have paid keynote speaking gigs, even in countries like Iran and you know Australia and all sorts of countries. Um, but I said no to them. And I said no to them uh, because I wanted to focus on Bobby's Golf. I wanted to be there for my um, family. You know, they see me many hours per day, which they don't always want that. Sometimes they want me to piss off. <laughs> but um, uh, And that was a just strategic decision I made and sometimes I think you know what my empire could have been bigger or it could have been more international it just means it happens a bit slower and it happens in its own time uh, and actually that's a sacrifice which I look back I'm very happy to make because I could have made another 10 or another 50 million uh, and I could have had jet lag for the next 10 years and aged another 15 years and not known who my family are uh, and so what I'm saying to you is it's okay 
um, to say no to certain things. Uh, it's okay to reduce the risk, uh, to not put yourself under a lot of pressure, um, to do the things that are right for you. Uh, and don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. Now, of course, we all want something different and you can be inspired to grow by someone who wants to take over the world, but just to grow into who you want to become. Um, and I think sometimes people think that they should be taking more risk or they should be doing more or they should be bigger or they should be faster or they should be working more hours or they should be hustling more or they should be 20 xing not 2 xing And actually, I'm just here to say no. As long as you're clear on who you want to be, where you want to be, the outcome you want to have, the only thing that's okay is to be who you are. And now, of course, when you don't know who you are and you don't know what you want, of course, you're going to be allured and tempted by everything and everyone that says everything and everyone. But, you know, my business partner, he likes to go very slowly. He likes to go steadily. He likes to be very consistent. He likes to not change. He doesn't really like new opportunities. He'd rather do what he's been doing. He'd rather someone else go and test a model or an income stream or a new strategy um, or a property and then watch and let them do it first. Uh, he'd rather be second, not first, because then they can make the mistakes and then he can learn from their mistakes. And you know, that's something that I never really wanted to be or never really knew how to do. I just wanted to be the disruptor. I wanted to be first, because you, know, you have this fear of missing out. But it's okay to be second. It's okay to be third. Um, because uh, do you want to go bust? You know, and in America, they say, don't they, that um, someone's really more investable if they've gone bust. And they're even more investable if they've gone bust twice. And if they haven't gone bust, then maybe they're not that investable. And of course, you know, you look at um, these films that are glorified like uh, Wolf of Wall Street and um, The Founder by Ray Kroc. And, you know, whilst there's inspiration in those, and I really enjoy watching them and get a lot from them because I love watching business uh, films. Actually... Do you want to be someone who, you know, basically got um, put in prison and had illegal activities and screwed a lot of people over with some pretty shitty stocks for a couple of decades? Well, I don't. And do you want to be someone who built this massive franchise, but actually probably wasn't a likable person and maybe um, stamped along on some people along the way? Well, I don't. Now, I'm just saying that judging from the films that are two hour excerpts of someone's whole life. And I don't know Ray Kroc personally and I don't know Jordan Belfort personally. So I'm not judging them. I'm judging the glorification of what the media pushes on us that makes something turn into a you know, Netflix successful series. But real life isn't like that. So actually, look at Warren Buffett, for example. He makes about two investments a year on average. He doesn't take undue risk. He doesn't jump into penny stocks. He doesn't jump into tech and he doesn't jump into crypto. Now, I'm sure he's missed some opportunities along the way, but he knows who he is. He knows what he does and he knows who he isn't and he knows what he doesn't do. So I guess the best thing I can say to summarize this is be clear on who you are. Be clear on your vision. Be clear on the strategies to get there. Be clear on what you want for your business empire. Do you want to start, scale, sell? Do you want uh, a lifestyle business which serves you and your family needs but isn't huge with all this responsibility and attention? Or do you want to grow a massive empire and whichever one you want to do, or do you want to be self-employed, or do you want to be employed, or do you want to be an entrepreneur in an organization, so employed but treated like an entrepreneur? And then when you're clear on those, take small incremental progressive risks forget all the glory forget all the, the, the media sensationalism uh, you know and the rags to riches story um, because if you take big risks all you'll do is be rags to rags or rags to riches to rags very quickly again only invest capital you can afford to lose get 
comfortably uncomfortable, not uncomfortably comfortable. And beware of very one-sided soundbite, sexy quote advice, which you get about going big or going home, you know, or uh, hustling hard or you're some kind of loser or lunches for wimps. Uh, because that's just good for Instagram and it's not real life. Uh, and actually, um, the best uh, year I've had in business was £19 million pounds in book business, which is turnover plus, um, well, it, officially it's turnover, but it's also um, booked income for the future. Uh, and we didn't really take that many risks that year. We probably grew 30% from the year before, not up 200% or 500% or 10x. Um, we didn't employ a million people. We didn't raise 100 million in joint venture or um, sort of angel finance. You know, when you raise finance um, or you sell stocks and bring in all these investors or become a PLC or whatever else that's looks sexy to the outside world. Well, they come with huge risks. Someone can come in and take control of your company. You know, there can be um, some kind of aggressive takeover of your own company. Or when you raise money to build your and grow your business, people forget that the downside is massive stress on the overhead because, you know, you're either paying a huge um, outgoing of a, a loan on this business, um, or you're giving away half or more of the profits, or you're giving away control. So, sometimes slow and silly wins the race. Coming from me, who was like a Duracell bunny on heat, like a dog humping a lamppost up until the age of 30. Um, I'm nearly 40, so maybe I'm just um, slowing down and getting old. Um, but having seen so many people come into our industry and like I said, that dog humping the lamppost, but not really knowing where to hump, but humping really hard and going so hard and relentless and bashing everyone in the process for a year and then exploding. You remember in, in school when you used to have that magnesium at chemistry and you used to put it in the Bunsen burner, you used to go seen so many people and if they could have just slowed down a little or you know just been a little bit more of a longer lasting enduring burn um then yeah don't don't go all in you know all in no plan b I think it's bad advice. Uh, anyway, that's something to, for, you, for you to think about. Um, now, of course, the odd person has gone all in and gone massive, and that is Elon Musk, and that is James Dyson, uh, you know, and that is Richard Branson. But you know, when they tell you their stories, they've got 30 or 40 years of experience behind them. Um, you know, when Richard Branson says, oh, I'll never do it for the money, it's not about the money, do it for the fun. Well, it's all right for him, he's a billionaire, he's been doing it 50 years. But what about if this is your first or second or third year? You know, maybe better advice is from someone who's been doing it two or three years um, or more relevant advice for you, I would say. Anyway, I think I've talked enough about this subject. Um, the myth and the glory of risking it all take progressive incremental risk. Don't bet everything in your family, livelihood and your pension and everything on one thing that's new that you've not done before because movies tell you it's that way or big influencers do. Um, also, if you take incrementally um, progressive increased risk, when it goes wrong, you don't lose everything. And when it goes right, you build on it. Uh, be careful of impatience. Be careful of looking at other people's glory stories where it's just a soundbite and not the full, um, you know, the full radio uh, album version rather than the radio edit. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and remember, ironically, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. When I read all the business books at the start of my business career 12 years ago, Donald Trump, Richard Branson, you know, whoever, whatever, 
Oprah Winfrey, you read about Margaret Thatcher, Winston Churchill, all these people apparently had like four or five hours sleep and got up really early and that's what made a successful person. And I've since learned, especially in the more modern world, that is not the case. What the case is, is that when people find their correct circadian rhythm and their own natural body clock within the day and they honour it and build their diary and their life around it, then they become successful. And it's easy to pedestalise the successful people I've just mentioned and then make the binary but incorrect assumption that it was getting up early and not having much sleep that um, drove that. But the variables people don't consider are, you know, when people are 50, 60, 70 and they're not active, like then, well, they're active, you know, but they may be sat down a lot, they're not doing ultra marathons, maybe they can get by on five hours of sleep. I can't. I need minimum eight. Now, I, wa- I wanted five, you know, because I wanted to be like these people in terms of success results, by my, by my definition. So the only way I learned this was stop listening to everyone telling you generic binary things. You must get up early. You must have this amount of sleep. Because I don't know if you've noticed in the health and the fitness and the diet and the sleep industry, all that happens is every, every cycle they go full circle. You know, oh, well, you shouldn't eat fats. Oh, you shouldn't eat carbs. Next, it'll be you shouldn't eat protein. That's killing you. You know, you shouldn't eat sugar, so then it's fake sugar. You shouldn't eat fake sugar. Um, You know, and all this kind of stuff. And then there's the the vegan diet. And I now know some people are eating just meat and salt and nothing else. And it's like, it's all fatty. Uh, the, the, The reality, I think, is balance. You can't take a whole food group out of the equation and expect to have a sustained, healthy life, I don't think. I mean, you might solve short term problems. So, so I started thinking, you know what, I've had enough of being mentally abused by the 5am clubbers, you know, and feeling guilty and, un- and unworthy because I'm getting up late or I'm not good enough or I get up and then I wish I'd have got up earlier or whatever. And, you know, you asked me, is this a natural thing or did I sort of train myself to do this? Well, I've had different rhythms within my life. When I was an artist and a poet and I was a bit more sort of creative, I used to stay up really late and I used to really start work at like 10 p.m. And then I used to go to 2, 3, 4 p.m. And then often I'd sleep until 10, 11 a.m., maybe later. And I think that was also had been kick-started by me drinking a lot, going to bed really late and getting up after midday. But now I don't drink, so that's changed that equation. Um, so this all got put to bed a few years ago, which actually inspired me writing Routine Equals Results by me just doing a series of split tests, i.e. for a week I'm going to go to bed at 11pm and I'm going to get up at 6am. Then I'm going to go to bed at a bit later and try and still get up the same time. And then I got to a point where my sleep was not enough and I was feeling foggy. So I thought, okay, that's not enough sleep. So I'll go back. You know, I was forcing myself to do this by like, if I was tired, keeping myself up. And then if I um, didn't want to get up, I still got up. Um, At the same time, I was testing coffees, Cafe Nero, Costa, any sort of stuff you can buy in a supermarket. One shot, two shot, three shots, extra shots with milk, not with milk, latte, cappuccino, America. I was testing it all. I was testing the times in the day I felt most energised and then when I felt lethargic and then when I ate food and what made me feel energised and what made me feel lethargic. And I'm not a machine. I sometimes break my own rules and I sometimes, you know, get allured by temptation of a nice deep meal at the wrong time. I never break on the coffee. It's always the same type of coffee at the same time. And sleep wise, if I don't go to bed before 11 o'clock, it's like I've got a hangover the next day. 
So what worked for me was kind of like between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. go to bed. Ideal is probably 9 or 9.30 and get up between 4.45 and 5.45 and ideal is probably 5.15. And then have my coffee immediately and then I'm on it for a good few hours. And then when I have my first lull by sort of 11 a.m. have my second coffee. I never have a coffee after 11 a.m. And sometimes when I'm crashing at 3 or 4 p.m. I'm tempted to have a third one. It, it, at the time it feels good, it, it doesn't work for me. So I recommend you do the same. Don't worry about what society thinks of you, what you think you should do. Start testing and pushing when you go to bed and when you get up. Because in the book Routine Equals Results, they talk, um, there's a chap who wrote a book um, and, and he did a lot of study on the circadian rhythms and, he, and he's broken it down into a dolphin, a wolf, a bear and you know, the different sort of category types and you've got your entrepreneurs who are really early, early risers who don't follow the sort of general system of life um, but they tend to go to bed early and then you've got the people the, the usual mostly nine to fivers I forget which one that is that may be a wolf I don't think it's the bear um, and they sort of get up at seven 7.30 a.m. and go to bed at 11 p.m. and they work in the nine to five routine which and then you've got the bears who are the hibernators um, and so they and they also tend to go to bed late and be more creative and then you've got the dolphins who are the insomniacs you know and that's generic but I, I, wrote, I wrote a chapter on it so when when you honor who you are and you've tested what you do all the guilt all the shoulda wouldas all the uh, goes and then what you do is you design your own diary template around your rhythm which means you know if, if you're a bit of an insomniac work between 10, 11 and 12 at night on your strategy and vision. The, the upside of that is no one's emailing you then. And there's nothing wrong with being a night person. Um, yeah, and, and just you, what you want to do is you want to put your income generating tasks and your key result areas in the times where you know you are energized, motivated, enthused, awake and aware. 